Hi, I'm Trevor. And I'm Laura. We're married, and we like to do a lot of different things together. But what got us together initially was that we love to eat and we like to drink. And we love to learn how our favorite foods and beverages came to be. In each episode of this podcast, we'll talk about something delicious and answer the question, Where did this come from? So we should probably be honest with everybody. Uh, We had been recording these episodes two weeks in advance. Um, Yeah, we were trying to stay on top of things. Trying to stay on top of things. Uh, The state of the world and the country the last two weeks has been as such where we just couldn't do any, we just couldn't burn ourselves to do any recording. So it would have been a real downer of a couple of episodes. Also, it felt felt weird doing it like when everything was in such disarray, if you will, and flux, like to be talking about some of these lighthearted things that we talk about to distract everyone from the reality of the world. Um, But we are actually recording this episode the day before it airs. So today is Monday, if you're listening, and I am talking on Sunday, the first time we've ever done this the day before an episode airs. real time. This is real, real time (laughs) podcast, real time as it gets, other than actually doing it real time, I guess. Which is radio. Which is radio, which (laughs) is not podcasting. So there you go. There you go. So yes, it's been... um, a stressful week, uh, as everyone can imagine, but there was a, a collective exhale from the nation and the world yesterday um, as Joe Biden was named the next president of the United States. Yes, and Kamala Harris, his Even, VP. I think, honestly, maybe even more importantly. So exciting for for women, for people of color for immigrants coming to the nation and raising their future generations and we are i don't know i felt like i just felt joyful yesterday and i think like yeah we've experienced joyful things and happiness the last four years but i released tension i didn't even know that i was carrying yeah that's Um, a good way to put it that's a good way to put it um my shoulders feel a lot looser today. My soul feels a lot lighter. Um, and, you know, if there's people listening who don't agree with us on a political and beliefs level, that's totally fine, too. I think there were some really good points made um, in the speeches last night about we need to kind of move past this divisiveness and yeah. come together as a people again. And I think that is something that I'm very excited about is the... The feeling of actually being able to have civil conversation with anybody again. Right. right. Someone who disagrees with you. Um, but, you know, I will say we've been talking a lot about, like, empathy mm-hmm. recently. And, you know, I don't know. It's like if, if someone is doing something that's hurtful to you yeah. or you're doing something that's hurtful to someone else and they ask you to stop – the human thing is to to stop and respect that other person. And that's really, I feel like, gone away yeah. in the last, I don't know, four years, but longer than that. It's um, true. And again, I guess just like a call for empathy to people that might disagree with how we're viewing this because we think it's obviously a really positive step forward for our country and for equality and justice for all people. Um, long overdue, long overdue. And, you know, just, I don't know. I think most of 
most of the people that I've talked to so far have been like, where were you when you heard? And it's almost like a, I don't know, it sort of actually reminds me of 9-11 and like everyone will remember exactly where they were when they heard that news. And obviously this is positive news as yes, opposed to that, of course, but of course. just so impactful for so many lives. Um, and it's just a really, really good day. It's true. I feel it's, like I'm going to cry again. It's a great day. Well, I will say this. I'll, I'll give you a second to recover. I'll give you a second to recover. And I will say from both of us, you know, we're just a little, just a, a fun little podcast here. Um, but everyone out there listening, just be kind to one another and put yourself in someone else's shoes for even just a minute and... Um, It'll be it'll be a really helpful experience for you, I promise. Uh, yeah. On that note, we should probably start the show. We should start before the show. we turn into a very different podcast. <laughs> Hello, everybody! Yeah. Welcome back to Where Did This Come From, the podcast where we talk about all things delicious. We talk and, about food, not politics. <laughs> yeah, we do uh, all things delicious, food and beverage wise, uh, and talk about their origin stories. I'm Trevor, and I'm Laura. And today, I'm actually I'm going to use the word excited again because I am. Um, I'm really excited to be talking about what we're covering today because it really is something in going through the research for this is something that really does connect all people on this planet. Mm. And today we're talking about the world's second most consumed beverage after water, which is coffee, 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 which I am very happily drinking right now. Yes. Well, anyone that like knows Trevor, (laughs) he's chatty. (laughs) I'm chatty without coffee. He's chatty without coffee, but sometimes, like, if he's drank more coffee than me in the morning, or, like, we're on a road trip or something, leaving early in the morning, as soon as the first sip of coffee, like, reaches his stomach, he has doesn't so even many... Have to get, doesn't even have to get to my stomach. I guess just, like, yeah, as soon as you take the sip. It's, like, all the ideas just, like, pour out of him. <laughs> And I love that about you, but it's also hilarious because sometimes I have to be like, okay. Well, Laura's not a morning person, so it's also infuriating to her. Right. But the reason why I get so jazzed up uh, is obviously the caffeine that's in the coffee, right? And um, I'm going to start off with a fun fact this week, which is not normal. Yeah. I like that. But we're bucking the- We're going to switch it up. We're bucking the norms this week. Um, Caffeine is the world's most widely used psychoactive drug. Oh. The entire planet does drugs together Woo-hoo. when you're drinking coffee. Rave time. Boo-boo. Get the, get the glow sticks. Here we go. <laughs> um, so starting with coffee, obviously, let's let's – I want to cover a few different things here because kind of like absinthe, this was all over the place as far as yeah, research. Um, there is a lot of the origin pieces of coffee that are disputed. Um, so we'll go into a little bit of that, go into a little bit of what coffee is because we drink it every day. A lot of us. Right. But we don't necessarily know where it comes yeah, from. Yeah, you might not have like thought about like how it grows or what goes into getting exactly. those beans into your, your coffee maker. Exactly. So coffee comes from the berries that are harvested from a species of plant called coffea. Uh, is like the, I don't know if it's the genus or the okay. species, but so there's the, wait, a... the berries, is that the photo that you posted? Yes. So that is part of it. Okay. So coffee the the berries of the coffee plant, when mature, look like they can look like grapes, 
cranberries or even like yellow cherry tomatoes. Mm, Um, Now everyone recognizes the roasted coffee bean, obviously, because we deal with it all the time, but you might not recognize what a coffee plant actually looks like. Mm -hmm. I know I don't. So coffee trees are pruned short to conserve their energy to help in harvesting, which is how a lot of things are harvested Mm, to get the energy to the, to the fruit. Uh, But they can grow to be more than 30 feet tall if left untamed. Yeah. Each tree is covered with green, waxy-looking leaves, uh, and they grow kind of opposite from each other in pairs. So it's a very mm-hmm. geometric-looking plant, which is really nice. It's really mm. appealing to look at coffee yeah, plants, actually. Yeah, that's cool. I think we so we were gifted a coffee plant once, yeah. which I think promptly yep. killed it. Yep. Also, we're in New England, so it's not really like the best place to be growing coffee. That, and we're not great at growing things inside of our house. Yeah. Um. So the beans that we brew are actually the processed and roasted seeds from the fruit itself, which is called a coffee cherry, which mm. I thought was just delightful. Yeah. And fresh coffee cherries, which I said again, kind of look like cranberries or grapes. Uh, they taste something like watermelon, rose water, and hibiscus all oh, rolled into so one. very like a fruity. It's very fruity and floral. Hmm. But there's not a lot of fruit on the fruit, if that makes sense. It's mostly the, the bean inside. So it's like a big pit almost? Pretty much, yeah. Like when you get an avocado and it's like 90% pit. <laughs> yeah, just much smaller. And yeah. far less depressing because the pit is what you want with the coffee. <laughs> right. Uh, and the coffee cherries grow along the branches. And because it grows in a continuous cycle, um, it's not unusual to see flowers, green fruit, and ripe fruit all at the same time on a single tree. It's just this never-ending cycle of, of growth. There's not like a harvesting season. And it takes nearly a full year for one coffee cherry to mature after first flowering. That's a long time. That's a long time. Wait, so it flowers. Just like anything else would. And then becomes the fruit. And that takes a year. Absolutely. So once the flowering starts, um, it can take almost a full year for one single coffee cherry. And wait, how many flowers would each plant have on it? Well, an average coffee tree produces 10 pounds of coffee cherries a year which is equivalent to about two pounds of green unroasted coffee beans. Okay. So it's, that's a lot oh my to go through to get. For, yeah, like a bag of coffee. A bag of coffee, yeah. Wow. Now I did, what I couldn't find was once you roast a coffee bean from the green state, which we'll touch on in a minute, but to the roasted state, how much weight does it lose? I don't know. Right. So like, But you could imagine it loses at least some. Yeah, I so. mean, we generally are buying bags of coffee that are between one and two pounds. So you figure a full tree went into that one bag of coffee. There must be like so many coffee plants in the world. Millions. Millions of coffee plants. Uh, And actually all commercially grown coffee is from a region of the world known as the coffee belt. So it's, that's really what it, what it is. It's the equatorial zone located between the latitudes of 25 degrees north and 30 degrees south of the equator. So very similar to how wine grapes grow best within a certain distance right, from the equator. Right. We talked about that uh, in our Burgundy episode, I believe. Mm-hmm. Episode 5, check it out. The uh, <laughs> Also, uh, similar to wine production, terroir can play a huge role in how coffee can smell and taste. Mm, yeah, I mean, everything from the variety of the plant, the chemistry of the soil, the weather, uh, the amount of rainfall, sunshine, even the precise altitude at which the coffee grows can affect the taste of the final product. Wow. Well, yeah, I guess people are very specific in what types of coffee. Like some people only buy Colombian coffee or some people only buy like Ethiopian coffee and everyone has like an opinion on what's best. Exactly. Um, Are there 
there's about 50 to 100 different species of coffee plant. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So you take that into account, plus where it's grown, plus the altitude, the weather, everything. So really is right. like the plant plus terroir. Right. And that's what's going into like those flavor profiles that they're listing on like the bag of like, you know. Yeah. Dark, chocolatey. Yeah. I don't even know. Well, there's <laughs> over, um, this was something I was saving for later, but there's oh, over okay. 1,200 chemical compounds in coffee. And the vast majority of those is what actually makes up the coffee's flavor. Wow. So it's all this really so nuanced, cool, really nuanced chemical breakdown right. um, for every sip you take. Yeah. Just wild to think about. I feel yeah. like I'll have a new appreciation for coffee. I know. I mean, I, I just... do already appreciate coffee for sure, but um, knowing that there's so much that goes into it. Yeah. And I won't so just... many different like complex um, flavors I won't just guzzle it down. Yeah. I mean, I will when I need I to. But Well, I feel like at this, like when we were both working in offices and stuff, we would essentially only really make coffee on the weekends, like at our house. We would make coffee twice a week twice on Saturday a week, and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday, and then the rest of the time we would get coffee from work. Yeah, we were lucky enough, both of us, to have companies and offices that supplied us with coffee all the time. Right. And like good coffee. And so I feel like we were... When we were just a twice a week coffee brewers, we were buying like really quite nice, expensive beans. Um, and then as soon as we were like plowing through a bag of coffee, like yeah. a week or oh, less yeah. than that. Um, it was like the day we I was. Like, well, maybe we should. Uh, ease back a little bit. Ease back a little bit. There was a day that I was uh, at a previous job and I was working down in downtown Boston and I was on my way back home. I was like, oh, we need some coffee. I'm going to stop by this coffee roaster that's down the street. And went and grabbed these two beautiful bags of coffee. It smelled fantastic. Um, brought them to the counter. She And they were both like 10-ounce bags. They were both less than a pound. Yeah. And it came to be $40. And I was too yeah. embarrassed to say like, uh, let's just put Never one of those mind. back. <laughs> yeah. So the barista says, oh, um, every every two bags of coffee gets a free iced coffee did you want it and it was like four o'clock in the afternoon i was like absolutely i want that free coffee i'll take a large please thank you very much get my money's worth out of this one yeah that coffee was really good it was but, really nice you know when you're like kind of crushing through coffee yeah you, know, you might just need to scale back a, a twenty dollar which is what we did is, yeah i don't need to spend 20 bucks on a bag of coffee yeah anyway all these variables right yes. the terroir everything like that combined with the way the cherries are actually processed after being picked can all contribute to the distinctions between coffees from countries Mm -hmm. So people who really know their coffee, yeah, there's essentially like coffee sommeliers out there right. yeah, who can actually that. distinguish. Um, and the combination really cool. of, yeah, the combo of factors is so complex that even from a single plantation, one can find variation in quality and taste. Mm. Is that because the plantations are so large? I don't know. Honestly, that's a good reasoning behind it. And you'd have different elevations and even maybe like subclimates within there. The soil in this area is wetter than another area i didn't right. dig into that too deep um but i would imagine that could play into it yeah so there's a lot that goes into growing harvesting and processing the coffee beans that we grind up and mix with water every single day yeah i can imagine now we don't have enough time because there is a <laughs> right it, it was i was going into it and it was a really lengthy process but every time you take a sip just think about the journey that that coffee has had to take just to get into your cup I mean, at least a year for each bean. Actually, there's two beans in every coffee cherry. Oh, okay. 95% of them have two beans. Anyway, okay. Um, just for two beans 
it takes at least a, a year. year. Yeah. That's and then crazy. how many you're grinding up on a regular basis. And not to mention the amount of people power and energy that went into getting yeah. that together. So appreciate your coffee, everybody. Mm-hmm. Now, coffee has grown in more than 50 countries around the world within the, uh, the coffee belt, uh, including actually here in the United States. In Hawaii, obviously, oh, yeah. not anywhere yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. I was like, um, where are you going to say? So Kona coffee is coming from <laughs> right. Hawaii. Uh, coffee is grown in Mexico, Puerto Rico, Guatemala, Costa Rica, Colombia, Brazil, Yemen, mm. uh, Kenya, Ethiopia, and that is just maybe a third of the list wow. tops. Maybe less, actually. That was probably only 10. That's probably like 20% of the countries that grow coffee around the world. A lot of very specific places that grow coffee. Now, I stopped with Ethiopia for a reason. So no one knows exactly how or when coffee was discovered. But there's a lot of legends about its origins, mm. specifically one legend. And it's only fitting that coffee, which has become this worldwide uh, necessity, if you will, mm-hmm. starts with a legend. Yes. So coffee grown around the world, and this is actually true, can trace its heritage back centuries to the ancient coffee forests of Ethiopia. Okay. So scientifically, coffee comes from Ethiopia. Okay. Now, legend, migrated across, it spread well, around over. the world, yeah. yeah. So the legend says that a goat herder named Kaldi first discovered the potential of the coffee plant. And the story goes that Kaldi discovered coffee after he noticed that after eating the berries from a certain tree, his goats became so energetic that they didn't <laughs> want to sleep at night. Oh, I can relate to that. <laughs> yes. And in, in researching this legend, all that was attached to these articles were basically uh, gifs or gifs whichever can't be fallen there for pronunciation of um, like little baby pygmy goats running around and doing backflips off of yeah. each other and stuff <laughs> like that. So it was worth, it was well worth the price of admission for that. Yeah. Um, so Caldi reported his findings about this, this plant uh, to the abbot of the local monastery nearby uh, who made a drink with the berries and found that it kept him alert through the long hours of his evening prayer. And the abbot shared his discovery with the other monks at the monastery. And because monks love knowledge, the knowledge of that energizing plant began to spread around the, uh, the religious community. Mm-hmm. And by the 15th century, coffee was being grown in the Yemeni district of Arabia, so in Yemen. Uh, and by the 16th century, it was known in Persia, Egypt, Syria, and Turkey. Mm-hmm. So we finally did it. We finally found a topic that doesn't <laughs> stem from ancient Egypt. Yay! <laughs> This is a big day. I think we need to have a running tally of Egypt versus the world. Right. I know. Oh my gosh. That is really cool. So I actually had a had a coworker who was from Ethiopia. And I don't know if you're gonna get into this at all, but like coffee is a very sacred thing to her, her culture. And she said, you know, like towns in Ethiopia and villages would have these like coffee ceremonies. And it was like a almost daily thing yeah, where wow. they have you know, they make a huge pot of coffee and it's in, it's in a specific type of pot and I'm not sure the name of it. Okay. We'll have to. I don't have it. I don't have it in my notes. Yeah. But they call it like a coffee ceremony, but it's basically like the equivalent of, you know, hanging out in a coffee shop all day. People come and go, they have coffee and connect with their fellow village people. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And so she made Ethiopian coffee Mm. for us one day at work. Like in the traditional way? In the traditional way. Um, and it was so good. I'm sure. And honestly, I had to, and they pour it into like espresso sized cups because it's so strong. 
I had one, I had, I think I had like a half a cup and I started like shaking because it was so strong. My body bouncing was like, off the walls like me on cold brew. Not used to it. Yeah. But it was, it was really cool. Um, and yeah, the coffee was just like amazing. So anyway, sidebar about Ethiopian. No, coffee. I was, that's, that's really cool. It's really interesting to hear. And I was, as I was going through this research, there was a lot of pictures of people at coffee plantations and farms around the world. And I was wondering like, what would it be like? to be at a coffee plantation and have the coffee from there roasted and brewed yeah. for you on the spot. I can't imagine. It must be yeah, so good. That's, yeah. Maybe as someday. As fresh as you can get. Maybe someday. Yes. Um, now, European travelers, obviously, they spread around the world around this time, uh, and they traveled to the Near East and brought back home the stories of this really unusual dark black beverage that they were trying for the first time. And by the 17th century, coffee had made its way into Europe uh, and was becoming really popular across the continent. And some people reacted to this new beverage with suspicion. I mean, it's this, this dark, kind of bubbling, right. bitter, yeah, you weird be like, mm, liquid, that right? Looks delicious. I'm going to drink it. <laughs> they started calling it, quote, the bitter invention of Satan. Oh. Mm. naturally of course i don't understand this it must be evil um <laughs> yeah. the local clergy oh, actually con- yeah it's true the clergy condemned coffee when it came to venice in 1615 oh wow yeah i can't imagine that um the controversy was actually so great that pope clement the eighth everyone's most popular pope obviously was asked <laughs> to intervene uh, he actually, sh- I make that joke, but actually he should be everyone's popular pope because he decided to taste the beverage for himself before making a decision. Oh. And he found the drink so satisfying that he gave it papal approval. Oh, wow. Which was the thing that unlocked the key for like it to be okay right. for everyone in the Europe. The pope says it's cool. We can drink this. At that time, yeah, it's true. So coffee at this point began to replace the common breakfast drinks of the time, mm-hmm. beer and wine. And not surprisingly, those who drank coffee instead of alcohol at breakfast began the day much more alert and energized, mm. and the quality of their work was much improved. Wow. I find when I'm not drinking um, beer for breakfast that I'm, I'm getting <laughs> right. more done at work in the morning. It's just such a better day, way more productive. <laughs> now, by the mid-17th century, so mid-1600s, uh, there was over 300 coffee houses in London alone many of which attracted like-minded patrons, uh, like merchants, shippers, brokers, and even artists. Mm-hmm. So as early as then, it was coffee shops were a place to congregate. Wow. So that is something that hasn't changed in almost right. 400 years. Yeah. It is a really nice way to connect with people. It's great. Um, Which is lacking nowadays, obviously. Right, but of course. But yeah, still. sitting down at a cafe. Yeah. There is something, like, very soothing about taking – your first sip of coffee for the day, you know, it's just kind of like, ah, oh, yeah. Yeah. We, good. we, we toast our mugs every morning. <laughs> every morning we yeah. do. Which is something that became a, a ritual in quarantine. Cause obviously we were not, we weren't drinking coffee in the morning before work. I would basically get yeah. you up like 15 minutes before we left. And yeah, I'm I, the morning person in, in the couple. So yes, I am. There has to be one. Definitely not. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it is kind of like almost ceremonial at this point. It's true. Very true. Very true. And then that first sip just, Mm, yeah, here come the ideas, Laura, look out, (laughs) look out. Uh, also by the mid 1600s, coffee was brought to new Amsterdam, which of course we now know as New York city. Uh, and the British bought it, bought it, the British brought it Mm. to new Amsterdam at the time. And though coffee houses really began to rapidly appear, 
and you know, spread more and more, tea continued to be the favorite drink in the New World mm. until 1773, when the colonists revolted against a heavy tax on tea imposed by King George III, ah. which I think we all know about at this point. Right. Um, but future episode on tea coming down the line. Uh, the revolt known as the Boston Tea Party would forever change the American drinking preference to coffee. Wow. So I that's why we're a coffee country. I did not know that that stemmed back to that. It, I mean, obviously that makes sense. I feel like some of these things that we go through, I'm like, oh yeah, duh. Why did I not think of that before? <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of things stem from the Boston Tea Party. It's like one of those events we were talking about in, right. um, I think it was the absinthe episode, kind of like the phylloxera outbreak mm. in Europe for wine. There's these events in time that actually have this ripple effect, ripple effect yeah. across a bunch of different industries and in a bunch of different areas. And that time period was definitely one of those. I think we even touched on that in the, in the rum episode, the, the, the pilot, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so as demand for coffee continued to spread, there was this really fierce competition to actually cultivate it outside of what was then called Arabia. Now the Dutch finally, finally, finally got seedlings from coffee in the second half of the 17th century. Mm-hmm. And their first attempts, of course, failed. They were trying to plant them in India and just didn't work. Um, But they were successful with their efforts in Batavia on the island of Java, which is in Indonesia. So the Dutch are the reason why Indonesian coffee exists. And one of the reasons coffee is called Java around the world. Okay. So the Dutch brought the seeds to Indonesia, planted them there. Yep. It was successful because it was thrived. the right climate. Yeah, they thrived. And uh, at, like soon after that, the Dutch had a really productive and growing trade in coffee. Uh, and they actually expanded that cultivation in that area to the islands of Sumatra um, oh, okay. as well. Yeah. That's so we all Starbucks about... is yeah. like yes. Yes. flagship coffee. Yes. And I should say this. I'm not going to go into the, the business of coffee. Not going to go into that, unfortunately. Right. Moving along in the timeline. And what I'm trying to describe here is this. You're going to see this is how coffee became a propagated basically right. yeah yeah so in 1714 the mayor of amsterdam old amsterdam <laughs> actual amsterdam mm-hmm. uh presented a gift of a young coffee plant to king louis the 14th of france mm. and the king ordered it to be grown in the royal botanical gardens in paris and then in 1723 after this plant had been maturing long enough a young naval officer obtained a seedling from the plant and um tried to bring it to the new world and naturally, that voyage was very challenging. Um, I'll just naturally it was, but they got hit with terrible weather. Someone actually tried to sabotage and kill the plant. Oh, what? And they were attacked by pirates. Oh, dang. But he managed to transport it safely to the island of Martinique. Oh. And once it was planted in Martinique, which is in the Caribbean, mm-hmm. the seedling thrived. But not only that, it actually propagated and spread 18 million coffee trees on the island over the next 50 50 years. Wow. Even more incredible and more, thank goodness, has happened. That single seedling is the parent of all coffee trees throughout the Caribbean, South America, and Central America. They can all be genetically mapped back to that one seedling. That's really cool. So that one little plant that could, (laughs) that was... (laughs) Fought against all odds on that ship. You go, little plant. You do it. Thank goodness it did. I know. I'm assuming that's the majority of where our coffee is coming from. Right, yeah. From that one little plant. Uh, So missionaries, travelers, traders, colonists alike all continued to carry coffee seeds to new lands Mm. to try to basically just bring coffee with them because they would eventually run out of coffee beans. Right. Uh, And coffee trees were planted worldwide. Wow. 
in all the places within the coffee belt. Yeah. So I don't know if you're going to go into this, but how tied is coffee cultivation to like slavery? Heavily. Yeah. Um, again, right. kind of like the rum episode. It, There's a dark I don't go into history. this. Yeah. Not because it's not important. Right. Um, I had a note to touch on it, definitely. Yeah. Um, but there's a reason why they're called coffee plantations. Right. I'll put it that of way. Of course. Yeah. Uh, it definitely played into the trade. Uh, yeah. And as you can imagine, not to like point fingers, but as the, the Dutch were one of the first to have a successful coffee trade, they were also one of the first to um, trade in people yeah. as well. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I kind of assumed that it, you know followed a similar path as, as the rum episode it and does as, unfortunately as demand increased um you know more people were were enslaved yeah and there's still i mean there's a reason why there's something called fair trade coffee i mean there's right. still a lot of question marks yeah around the um the ethics right around how coffee is grown bought traded cultivated all of that right. so um yeah. just just buy just for fair trade buy fair yeah. trade read into Read into your brands. Yeah. Um, just be informed about what you're what you're buying and what you're kind of um, supporting. Supporting, even passively. Right. Along that line, new nations were established on coffee economies, uh, and fortunes were made and lost. Obviously, mm-hmm. just much like rum and everything else of the nature. By the end of the 18th century, coffee had become one of the world's most profitable export crops. Wow. Still to this day, actually, after crude oil. Coffee is the most traded commodity on the planet. Wow. Next to oil. Wow. That's how much the planet relies on coffee. Yeah. And all of us are brought together every single day, whether you know it or not, by every single sip of coffee you take. Yeah. Now, not a lot has actually changed in the Mm -hmm. last two to 300 years with coffee. I mean, there's only so much other than like technical abilities for cultivation yeah you still yeah support and i mean it's still like manufacturing or i guess what am i trying to say i don't know okay uh (laughs) moving on (laughs) processing plants that's what i that's the word i was looking for yeah i was gonna say like other than the ways you're like the mechanisms for roasting and harvesting nothing much has changed i mean you still need roasted coffee beans hot water cup right (laughs) (laughs) Really, that's kind of it, um, to put it really mildly. But probably the biggest development in coffee ever has been decaf. Mm. So how do we learn to isolate and remove the caffeine from our coffee? Well, like a lot of the great discoveries, it was entirely by accident. I love these. (laughs) Entirely by accident. So it wasn't actually um, until the 1800s, 1819, where author Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, I might be pronouncing that wrong, but he Mm. gave coffee beans to a German chemist who was able to isolate and identify caffeine mm. as the element in coffee that was... Giving um, the energy. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Had to give it its spirit. Boom, boom. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't until 1903, almost 100 years later, uh, that German coffee importer Ludwig Roselius discovered that the caffeine had been removed from a coffee shipment that had been soaked in seawater. Mm. So Mr. Roselius worked on commercializing a decaffeination process and in 1905, patented that process. Wow. And so his, something with the salt? We'll get into that in a second. Okay. But his first marketed decaf product eventually made it to the U.S. and was sold under a few different brand names before eventually being established as the classic Sanka coffee brand, 
S-A-N-K-A is the original decaf coffee brand. Mm. So Sanka, like, sans caffeine. Mm. Oh, yeah. Which I think is still sold today. I don't dabble in decaf yet. Yeah. <laughs> give, it, give, give it time, I might have to, but... Yeah. But the first step in decaffeination, the green unroasted coffee beans are warmed and steamed uh, to expose the pores in the very, very dense bean because mm. um, they're just so rock hard, right. even when they're not roasted. The caffeine is then extracted from the beans in one of three different ways. Again, these are the ways I'm not going to go deep into at all. Uh, via a chemical solvent, which is completely safe and rinsed away from the beans mm. uh, with water. Um, kind of like what we saw, like the first original way. It was, it was soaked basically in water for extended periods of time okay. until the caffeine like... Seeps out. Basically, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, or using a uh, carbon dioxide as a forced method of kind of like... Pumping it out of the beans, if you will. Yes. So really, other than cold brew, um, decaf is like the biggest idea or biggest development to come from coffee. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that really kind of brings us up to today with coffee. I mean, there's a lot more I could have gone into. Right, of course. But we want to keep these episodes not an hour long. Um, Also, since I've got caffeine coursing through my veins, I probably (laughs) could have done that. And We all know that you could have. Uh, it's not yeah i don't need to prove it um but some fun facts again i had to whittle these down quite a bit so just three countries on the planet consume two-thirds of the world's coffee can you guess what they are um the united states united states number one uh ethiopia no oh the u.s france and germany the three countries that consume two-thirds of the world's coffee oh my gosh yeah that's kind of like disturbing actually it's quite disturbing actually (laughs) um and we have one tiny little state that actually grows our own coffee so we import a ton of coffee right wow now the average coffee drinker consumes three cups of coffee a day which is kind of where i'm at at this point Mm. um i need to cut back to be honest with you and as a lot of us know and talk about in personal circles Coffee is a natural diuretic, uh, yes. which means it makes it go to the bathroom a lot, um, generally for a lot of people quickly and frequently. Like clockwork. Coffee makes you poop. It's, uh, people rely on it on a daily basis for that. Yeah. Moving on. In, uh, in Turkey, another really heavily consuming coffee nation, mm-hmm. the bridegroom was once required, so the groom mm-hmm. was once required to make a vow during the wedding ceremony to always make sure to provide their wives with coffee. Oh. If they did not do so, it was considered grounds for divorce. Wow. Grounds for divorce. Oh, I see what you did there. I didn't do it. It was in the notes. (laughs) But I loved every second of it. (laughs) Uh, Gosh. Wow. Well, you do make coffee every day, so. I do. Thanks. So I'm safe. So you're good. I'm safe. I'm one of the good ones. Uh, contrary to popular belief, espresso has one third the caffeine of a regular cup of coffee. Oh, interesting. Simply because of the serving size differences. Ounce per ounce, espresso has more caffeine. Uh, Beethoven, world-renowned composer. (laughs) You uh, might have heard of him. You might have heard of him. Uh, Ludwig von Beethoven? Yes, Mm -hmm. that one. Um, he counted the number of coffee beans he used to make his coffee and insisted on exactly 60 beans per cup. Oh, Every okay. time. Uh, this was the one that I thought was most interesting, so I saved it for last. Mm-hmm. Tipping in restaurants comes from the days of the London coffee houses, where there were brass boxes monogrammed at the front of the coffee house with a dollar sign to ensure promptness. 
So this encouraged customers to pay for their expeditious service. Mm. To ensure prompt service. Yeah. It's an Tip. acronym. Yeah. But it came yeah. from coffee houses. Right. Oh, interesting. So all of us that have lived lives in the restaurant industry and we live off yeah. of tips, it all comes back to coffee. To the coffee houses. It cool. all comes back to wow. coffee. That's awesome. So that yeah. is it. So I have, honestly, there was only three references I used for this. First off, I'd say 90 to 95% of what I covered was provided by the National Coffee Association of America. Uh, and they're at ncausa.org. A really fascinating website, actually, with a yeah, lot about coffee. A lot of information. There's a lot more to learn there that I didn't cover. Also, coffee.org, go mm-hmm. figure, uh, and seriouseats.com. Mm. All of them fantastic references uh, helped out with this episode. Awesome. Um, but no, that was, a, that was a good episode. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Wrap up a great historic weekend. Yes, a historic weekend, um, a historic week. Yeah. Um, we do owe, we owe a couple of shout outs. Oh my to gosh. We should have done um, this at the front of the episode. We just got all caught up in the emotion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you for everyone to, who participated in our Instagram guessing game. We've been kind of enjoying seeing people's responses. Yeah. So we owe, uh, the absinthe episode goes Lauren, to Lauren, my coworker from Gritstone, um, guest. She was our first correct guess. Uh, for absinthe, yes, um, which and was a photo of the specific glassware and process with yeah. a little sugar cube on top. We tried to make that one harder, harder than it really was. We couldn't find a lot of imagery that was. Yeah, we keep like oscillating ask. between being like way too easy <laughs> way and too way hard. too hard. <laughs> but I will say, someone got this week's episode, which was definitely one of the hardest ones to get because I posted a video of um, fresh coffee cherries. Yeah. Uh, being being processed and it looked like cranberries people were guessing popcorn beans beans was close, beans was close. sorry dom almost got it but uh kyle shout yes. out to kyle who Ooh. got the answer this week yeah. um really good job there yeah nice job thanks guys and I thanks we... for for all of you for being loyal listeners we appreciate it we, we do we it's really fun. do yes don't forget to follow us on instagram at where did this come from underscore pod for our weekly posts uh, wine facts wednesdays our teasers on fridays to guess what our upcoming episodes are gonna be um as always everybody be kind to each other stay yeah. healthy be well and we'll see you on the next episode of where did this come from